Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles to see our Lord Jesus, who is the light of the world, and His light shines on us today from 1 Kings chapter 10. And this is really an interesting chapter. Um, all of 1 Kings is interesting, and one thing that's unique is all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Queen of Sheba shows up and she has many um, stories that have been brought to her. She wanted to see it for her own eyes. And as we hear of the great wealth of Solomon, makes us wonder, what if I had that great of wealth? What would I be thinking? And would it affect my faith? We're going to find out what this all means and point us once again back to our Lord. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us regular guest Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Oh, it's a joy to be here. This Pastor Boyce Claire, it's a it's a blessed time to be with you. First of all, happy Easter to you. And and to you as well. And <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of basking in the afterglow of the resurrection of our Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Living with resurrection hope is what I heard from one pastor recently. And it's good to hear your voice. I mean, uh, to our listeners, a couple weeks ago for Sherathon, I came down to St. Louis, had a great time. And the, what do you call it, the cherry on top was to spend a Friday evening with Pastor Boyce Claire and, and the music minister at his congregation uh, at Hodak's Chicken in South City, St. Louis. What a joy that was, Pastor. So it's good to hear your voice again. It, it was. And after after for you, it was a quite a quite a busy day for you at uh, KFUO. And of course, we encourage the listeners to be supportive of KFUO. Absolutely. And that's what the beauty of share And we're still not sure of the total amount that was brought in. But yes, encourage our listeners to support KFUO as we um, bring Christ anytime, anywhere. And Pastor Boisker has been doing that for years. And so, Pastor, tell me this. How are you and the work of the Saints at Faith and Bethesda? We're continuing to uh, um, praise our gracious God and witness as much as possible as we want to introduce the risen Christ to people. some people, you know, we're finding that have never met him. So that's that's always a challenge. Oh, thanks be to God for that. So as we are about to search the scriptures, chapter 10 is going to be a lot of fun. So can you begin our time and ask the Lord's blessing for us in prayer? Most sure. Assuredly. Let us pray, O oh God, to know you is everlasting life. Bless our study today about your great blessings to your Old Testament people in the reign of King Solomon. His reign is the fulfillment of your promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, that he would be ruler from sea to sea and from the river to the end of the earth. Yet there is the warning that this is a blessing that falls on one faithful to you. We praise you for your gospel promises in our Lord Jesus Christ, which are without any strings, which never waver or fail. It is him we trust and proclaim throughout the world. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, as we come to chapter 10, the um, it's been really interesting that we've gone through seeing the temple be built. We've, we've seen um, the Ark of the Covenant came. 
that they built a palace. I mean, this is not in direct order, excuse me. Um, and then Solomon blessed the people. He prayed to the Lord, basically covered every single prayer you can imagine in chapter eight. And then he comes to this point where the Lord appeared to him. He's done many wonderful things. And then someone comes, the queen of Sheba shows up and we see his great wealth. Now, this can be a confusing chapter of what is the purpose of this, especially when we don't look to chapter 11 quite yet. So, Pastor, how would you describe what is the purpose or what's the main theme of this chapter? And I want to start that way so that we have that theme throughout the time that we read. Any, What are your thoughts on the main theme? I would see this as the summit of uh, probably of God's the kingdom of Israel. It's, it's like, this is the, this is the high point, a high peak of the mountain. Um, and, uh, when you go to chapter 11, of course, it, it shows the, just the dark side of uh, Solomon's reign. This is, this is like the summit. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows that he is, is admired throughout the ancient world of that time, you know, the known world. Uh, that he uh, is, is is quite a wonder, and you know, and he he, um, and of course, it, it does emphasize and that it is Yahweh, the God of, of Israel, who is the author of this uh, great. Uh, the, and, and God has kept His promise. Mm. You know, God has kept His promise to His people. That's that's basically what this is. But I would see this as the summit. Uh, you know, like in the after the. Um, uh, the two kings, or you know, when the kingdoms divide, the ten ten tribes of the north uh, are there. They have a sort of a, a time in which they, during under Jeroboam the uh, second, they have a, a kind of a high point, but it's not as great as the time of Solomon. So here it is, uh, the high point of the kingdom of Israel. And it's good for us to, one, look at that and and to give thanks to the Lord. I guess that's one thing we have to ask. Is there a time in this chapter where Solomon gives thanks to the Lord. That's, I, I, let's, let's wait to hear that. But at the same time, we look at ourselves and say, am I giving thanks to the Lord? Am I staying in faith? Because how quickly we can all fall away. I want to take one step back before we get in. Is I want to remind our listeners that this morning, uh, before our, our broadcast today, I was using the KFUO app, which is on the phone and now available to you. So if you have the opportunity, download the KFUO radio app, which gives you the opportunity to listen on your phone much easier than having to go to the podcast or trying to go on the internet. But it's now available. Well done. You're able to listen to live, but also to be able to download our shows, uh, not shows, our studies and other programs that we have to give you Christ um, because faith comes from hearing the word of Christ and that's what we give. So look up that um, in your app store, in your iPhone. I'm not sure about Androids, um, but look up KFUO Radio and you'll hear it from there. But pastor, let's dig into the text. We are in 1 Kings chapter 10 and reminder to our listeners that we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture for the gifts are ready. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that she could not explain that he could not explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, 
his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. So the first five verses bring a person that I don't believe is in, in uh, scripture to this point, but the queen of Sheba. What do we know about her, Pastor? Well, um, the uh, nation that is referred to here is a the, uh, Shiva or uh, the Sabbateans, which are were located a bit, just due south of Jerusalem, about a thousand miles away. Mm. And uh, it would be sort of in the southern part of what we know as Saudi Arabia uh, today, uh, like on the shores of the Red Sea and, and the Indian Ocean. And, and just across the uh, Red Sea and the Indian Ocean from uh, the, like the nations that are south of the um, Empire of Egypt at this time. So um, it, it, it so there was, she was like a thousand miles away. She came and, and, and probably it was a nation that they traded with because uh, they're, they're, you know, that's something that will come up uh, throughout the uh, narration of, of Solomon's uh, kingdom that uh, he, he was an internet had an international trade mm. and, and maybe, you know, and some have suggested that why the reason she came up there was to uh, solidify a trade agreement with them. Sure. And that makes sense. I mean, we have all these different times, for example, that Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. Um, and, and there's all these kind of, they're not backdoor deals. They're just deals that happen between nations. And so if we think that Israel was just sitting, them by, sitting there by themselves, providing only for themselves, well, we're kind of missing history and how it works in, I say, government and, and countries and everything, that it's good for us to remember that it was a thousand miles, but there probably would have been some kind of relationship because the world was definitely in knowledge of one another, uh, even though we don't always hear that in the Holy Scriptures. So anything else about Queen, do we know anything about her particularly? Yes. Uh, well, you know, there are the traditions, uh, you know, and, and, and sort of like when uh, in the 50s, uh, there was a popular film known as Solomon and Sheba, which, uh, you know, uh, romanticized uh, what romanticized this here. She's just simply coming up and, and meeting with him like two heads of state, you might say. Uh, but then there's, the, you know, the idea that there was a romantic relationship between Solomon and Sheba, the ancient Ethiopian. Uh, believe that uh, that was the beginning of uh, of, an em- of their empire. Uh, that her name was Makeda. Uh, that she was a ruler of Ethiopia or Abyssinia, south of Egypt, and that she came to Israel, and then that her and, and Solomon had a liaison, and they of course had a child, and that would be their emperor Menelik the first, who was from the 10th century BC or, you know, from the time of Solomon. So there's that tradition. Then there's also the tradition of Balkis, uh, who is mentioned in, um, uh, the, uh, Quran of the, uh, of Islam. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and she's, she's noted to be a, a woman that was very wise. She's called Saba. You know, that, I think there's the idea that, that she's, uh, a woman of great wisdom. Well, and, and it's interesting because she comes and she has many hard questions. It's almost she's trying to stump him or any any thoughts on, on that. I found that to be an interesting part of it to test him and with hard questions. Any uh, research on why would she be doing this? 
Well, uh, in, in Arabia, there it was very in their tradition or in the ancient uh, Arabian tradition. There were, um, you know, they they they'd often have books of proverbs or or um, uh, basically a riddle. Uh, you know, they, which touch, you know, a, a riddle is, is, you know, mentioned in scripture. And, and, and of course, as we know, Solomon was renowned for Proverbs that said he, he uh, mm. spoke or wrote 3000 Proverbs. And we have the book of Proverbs, which is considered to be, uh, you know, by him or authored by him. Uh, you know, like David, of course, is the source of the Psalms and Solomon is the source of the wisdom literature, like the, uh, the Proverbs. And so she, she's kind of, probing his his knowledge because maybe these were uh, riddles that had stumped her and and some of her wise people in her in her nation and she said well hey do you do you know what what any of these you have a, a handle on what these things mean gotcha and it, it's kind of funny because you hear you hear that and you kind of you have this those weird feelings where you're like okay I wonder what she asked you know was it you know what? What would have? What it was? It riddles? Was it proverbs? Was it you know uh, trade routes? Was it all this? But we get a feel from her about all the things that she saw, and she was amazed to the point of the food at the table, the officials, the attendants, their clothing, his cupbearers, burnt offerings. All these things came together in the house of the Lord, and it says there was no more breath in her. What does that capture? And when it says there's no more breath in her, what do you think? Uh, she's speechless. She's breathless. It's it, 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 she's so mystified. You know, have has any have you or and I'm sure it's true for you or true for me. We've seen something that was so majestic and so awesome that 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 we would just be breathless about it. And and that was kind of the situation uh, with her. Absolutely. Well, and, and I find it just interesting that that she shows up, that she sees all these things, and it's almost like. Um, what I had heard is not what I expected, but most of the time we goes the opposite direction is that you hear a rumor and you get there and it's worse than you ever could have imagined. But this one clearly seems to be a little bit different. We'll get into that in the next few verses, six through 10, but any last thoughts on the queen of Sheba, what she sees and, and so forth. Well, in this particular verse where it speaks about the burnt offerings, that they saw the burnt offerings, uh, in, in, in other words, in Old Testament uh, scholars have said that, that it's not the burnt offerings. The word there, it means ascent. So what it was, was the entrance, uh, the king's entrance into the temple, that he had a private entrance. Mm. And it was a, a really majestic, um, you know, edifice or something, and and so because like some some scholars have said that that's more because there's reference to it in in the First Kings, mm. and so um, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal to see the slaughter of animals. I'm sure she'd seen it uh, in her own nation, you know, for the sacrifices and so on. But but uh, that it was, it, it's considered to be that she saw the entrance, the king's private um, entrance into the temple, that that's what that is. Gotcha, gotcha. And it, 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 you know, one final thing is the reality that the wisdom that the Lord had given to him was so expansive that even a person that wanted to drill him probably for hours, maybe for days, 
um, that he there was nothing hidden from him, that the Lord had blessed him to the point where he's able to answer all of these questions, which is hard for me to envision anyone like that um, in our day and age, because we all know that we can't know it all. Um, but here the Lord had blessed him to lead the nation, but also was giving him great wisdom. So there's still that focus, even though we're going to talk about wealth a lot, there's still that focus that the wisdom was the main thing. That was where you could truly see the work of God. Last thoughts on these verses. Yes, it, it's like uh, like we said that the Lord Jesus Himself uh, commends her. You know, she came from the ends of the earth to see to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Right. You know, and and here greater than Solomon is here. So Solomon, of course, is a type of Christ. Mm. You know, as as many any, many of the Old Testament. Uh, heroes and, and kings and saints and so on are types of Christ. And, and uh, you know, Jesus was uh, had his ministry in Capernaum, and they, they, of course, took him for granted. But, he you know, he said, woe unto you, Chorazin and Capernaum. You know, if, if, uh, if this were happened at the time of, of uh, you know, Solomon, uh, you know, it would have you know, been a greater a greater thing. Of course, in, in, in this particular case, it's just saying that, um, you know, even people who are not uh, Jewish or, you know, are, in other words, is, Israelites or Judahites, that uh, they, they were more impressed by God's gracious actions than, than were they, you know, and, and it's sort of like a, a, a law statement. It, it, that, exactly right. And it, it brings us back to chapter eight, when it talks about the foreigner who comes through and, and Pastor Parviz did a great job talking about how Jerusalem was really a central place as people were traveling the ends of the earth. I mean, we're talking from Africa to um, from other nations that in Asia that they'll be traveling through Jerusalem and they would have noticed this temple that this temple was a major um, place to see. And, and Solomon prays, when a foreigner comes, may they know the name by which this temple is made. And so there's definitely a, uh, there's a, a, a feel here of the foreigner believing in the one true God and being able to see what the one true God is doing. And here, kind of a hit in the face for those Israelites, that here's Queen of Sheba, and she's more amazed by what God is doing than you are. Um, that's kind of my feel. Any thoughts? Exactly. I think that's a very good, very good summation. Yes. All right. Well, let's continue on because she has no more breath. Um, actually, you know what? This kind of reminds me one time. One time I was at a pastor's uh, retirement party and the people, you know, just treated him very well. And he was very excited. And he gets to the he gets to the point where they want him to say a few words. And he says, I'm speechless, which is great. And then he went on to talk for 15 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that does great. We have untapped, un, untapped, untapped, uh, um, and untapped energy and That's untapped right. breath. So she's out of breath, but she exactly. She's out of breath, but she keeps talking here. So verses six through eight, as we hear more of what she has to say. Verses six through eight, and she said to the king, "The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom." But I did not believe the reports until I came, my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. So I want to stop there because we'll get to the Lord part here next. Is uh, what, what did she say about the reports that she had heard before she arrived? 
Well, they, uh, see, as we know, in ancient times, you know, they didn't have television and they didn't have, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, satellite news services or anything like that. They, they just, they'd go from word of mouth. And, you, and, you know, like in many times when, when we've done the, in, uh, kind of a, uh, practice of, you know, starting a story and telling it to another person and the, you know, and then, and then when, when it goes through maybe about 10 people, it, it's, it's inflated beyond or, or changed or inflated. And so, uh, you know, she probably had some really, uh, tall tales that were told to her and, 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 and she said, I, you know, I want to see if this is true. And then, but then, uh, it, it, even though the stories were exaggerated, she still says the stories I heard, even though they were exaggerated, were only half as much as the, the truth of what I see here with my own eyes. Right. Right. And that's like I said, it's, a lot of times when you hear a story of somebody, um, you go there and a lot of times you find out that it's worse, you're worse than you could have ever imagined. But in this case, that is sounded great and is actually absolutely wonderful. It's beyond great. It's double as good as the report had been. So there she is. Not only are they have a lot of wisdom, not only a lot of possessions, but the servants um, are happy. <laughs> You know, the people seem to enjoy working with King Solomon. They seem to have joy over all of these things. And so it really sounds almost like a utopia on earth. Um, and, and, and this is a good pastoral question, uh, Pastor Boyce Claire, is if everything seems to be so perfect, what should we be as Christians? What, what, how should we react or what should be some thoughts that we have or prayers, I suppose? Well, it's, it's always, always to give all glory to God. As the psalmist says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name, give the glory. Absolutely. And it, it's just, it, that's, that's, it's just, uh, uh, as all that we are and all that we have is his. It's like, uh, the, I, there was one hymn uh, that we often sing, uh, accept what is thine own and pardon what is ours. The only thing that we can say is ours is our sin and, and all, all good and all glory, it belongs to the Lord. Uh, nothing, um, yeah, nothing do we bring except for our sin, which is a quite humbling thought. Well, to this point, we haven't heard much from Solomon and what we are hearing is not a lot of blessed be the Lord from Solomon himself, uh, but we're hearing people are happy, um, people are getting along, and there's great wealth. Um, and I want to touch on that a little bit after we hear these words, um, 8 through 10, or excuse me, 9 through 10, because, uh, didn't I go through 8? Yeah, I went through 8. Um, 9 through 10, because from there, I think this has a pastoral and a, uh, a congregational implication as well. So, verses 9 through 10. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So we, I mean, clearly throughout these first nine, 10 chapters, Solomon gives praise to God. That's not the question that we have right now. But right now, it's, it's Queen of Sheba. She gives thanks to the Lord your God who delights in you and has given you the throne. 
Now, do we know much about her faith beyond some of these words here? I, um, you know, it, it, at least among a common tradition is that they, they, they trusted in God, but they were probably uh, polytheists. I mean, they were basically the God of Israel is Yahweh. So, so again, you know, uh, and, and she's, she's basically honor, honoring and respecting uh, the people of Israel. And, and perhaps as, as um, it may be that she was there to try to solidify a trade agreement between her and Israel, um, and, you know, Israel and, and uh, the king of Tyre, Hiram, who would, who would also be t- uh, trading with them. But I mean, as, as far as, well, we know that uh, there is a tradition in Ethiopia that, uh, you know, the, their belief in the true God came through Memelik the first and so on. And then, you know, the, you have the account in Acts, uh, where, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch of the Queen Candace, uh, was met with, uh, Philip the uh, deacon, uh, who, who, and, and also, you know, just for a few, uh, hours, preaching the word of God, the gospel of Christ, he brought uh, the gospel to an entire nation. Right. And, you know, that, that, so that's, that, that's kind of the tradition that's there. But I don't think we have here uh, anything where uh, the Queen of Sheba became a monotheist or, or, or believed in Yahweh. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Nahum in the Syrian, of course, uh, became a believer in the true God. And he said, I want to take some of the, the soil of, of Israel to Damascus so that I can worship God on, on his soil. <laughs> that is, yeah. And the fun thing about this, and this relates to um, what we had uh, this past Sunday with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, if you followed the three-year three lectionary, is that reality, you hear the story, uh, the true story, and you have uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. He gets baptized, and then Philip kind of disappears. And we don't know much else about the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, does it, does it, you know, obviously the gospel went with him and I'm assuming he preached it or he was with others who believed the gospel. We don't know much else, which is kind of the same here with Queen Sheba that we might hear a little bit in Chronicles. But we don't know the exact impact of this upon the people to believe, because when he speaks about foreigners, I mean, she's one of them. And so what, what kind of impact did this have? We don't know, which we have to cling to as Christians, that when we are doing what God's called us to do, preach, bring the sacraments, pray, we don't know the results, but God does. And we know that he bears fruit, as it tells us in Isaiah 55, that the word will not come back to me void. And so that, that's one, the, one of the things that I really caught from this was we don't know the end of the story here with Queen of Sheba, but we do know that God obviously worked through this to bring the word of God, at least to her, if not to more people. We have about 30 seconds left before our break. Any last thoughts for these first 10 verses of chapter 10? Well, well, you know, you might, there might be a question in the back of our minds since being about the Ethiopian eunuch, he obviously was a Jew. Right. You know, so all the way from Ethiopia. So right. there might have been some connection. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously that's in the Lord's hands. So right now we have to take our break. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 10 with Pastor David Boisclare, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. 
So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying First Kings with Pastor David Boisclair. And as we've gone through the first 10 verses of First Kings of chapter 10, I do find it interesting here, Pastor, at the very end, it says that, that uh, Queen of Sheba gave 120 talents of gold, which is, I mean, gold is a very common uh, uh, metal that we hear about in the book of First Kings, especially to this point, and quality of spices and so forth. But here, it's interesting at the very end, this goes with what you were saying, that this is the pinnacle. This was the beginning. This was the high point. You've reached the mountaintops. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So right there is just another proof of what you were saying, that this was the pinnacle. And I found it interesting. It was not gold. It was not of the metals, but it was the spices that he highlights. Anyways, that's just a reflection. Any last thoughts on verses 1 through 10 before we move on? Well, uh, she, what she gave him with uh, 120 talents of gold was uh, $120 million. Oh, gee, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, in our day and age, you know. So, so they had, uh, you know, the, the, the value, you know, because it's like a talent of gold is 80 pounds of gold. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, what, how would that be valued today? Uh, you know, a million dollars, that, well, that would be a significant gift. I'll say it that way. Um, but yeah, it, one of the things too, for us to remember as a church is we always have to be weary or wary, excuse me, about when people say, well, everyone seems so happy. Everyone seems so joyous. There is there is a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Um, we're we're able to do what we've always done. We don't have to pay people very much. And in this last Christmas, we had a full house. Everything is going really really well. How about we just keep it that way? What are the concerns we have as Christians over such a, a reality that's before us? Because that's what Solomon was dealing with, right? Everything is great. What what kind of questions or things should we be always looking to do? Well, our, our, as our old sinful nature is always loves loves to coast and loves to uh, you know rest on our laurels and and kind of uh, you know there's no challenge to um, serve God uh, perhaps you know and, and maybe looking at, at different horizons you know the apostle Paul is an example in Scripture where you know he was he had preached the gospel all over where he went and then now he wanted to go to Spain. And he wanted, you know, there, there's all there, you know, as God's people, we should always uh, look to future service and not kind of rest on our laurels. Absolutely. And, and to go back and to this point, we haven't heard Solomon say, thanks be to God for these things. I'm not saying he didn't. But just kind of an interesting, there are many times throughout this where he gives thanks to God when he asks him for anything, he prayed for wisdom. And, 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 and that's something we have to remember, that whatever circumstance we're in, we give thanks to him. So let's read uh, verses 11 through 13 as we get to a point now where it's almost, 
See, this is one of the, <laughs> I was reading this and for Minnesotans, we try very hard not to brag about what we have. Right. So like, um, there's a, always, oh, there's a joke in Minnesota that you know, everyone, everyone has a lake home, but they don't want anyone to know where it is. So you don't be bragging about it. <laughs> so it's kind of this funny thing, but we hear of the great wealth that he has and we, we just look at it and we pray, Lord, give us a, a thankful heart. So verses 11 through 13 with King Solomon, moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir brought from Ophir a very great amount of almig wood and precious stones. And the king made the almig wood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such almig wood had come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land, with her servants. All right, so there's a, a lot of stuff. We're going to hear more about other things that they possess, but what is that? What is the highlight that they give in verses 11 through 13? Well, it, it really helps us identify the um, location of Sheba because it is from southern uh, Arabia that they received uh, spices. There were there they they were that was where spices were traded from. And, and so, and, and even there, there's kind of like they mentioned that there are even two types of, of, uh, of apes or monkeys that are mentioned, uh, you know, and that are mentioned even in Egyptian writings. And, and so it, it, it's kind of like, it, it really kind of tells us, um, you know, probably from where she was coming and then probably that, that it, cause they'd say that her, her retinue or the people that came up with her were probably not military. They were, they were like servants and, and mm-hmm. um, maybe merchants, uh, you know, that, that were brought up from her. And, and, and as you can see, there's, it's not only wealth in gold or silver, but also in spices and in, in rare woods, the almug wood, which is said to be the sandal, it's sandal wood. Sandal? Um, Say that it, again. It, sandal? Yes. Sa- sandal. Sandalwood. Oh, interesting. Uh, the almug. Yeah. Oh. Now, because sometimes they're, it, the word is translated as balsam, and that they, they think that uh, this was the, uh, you know, when the Queen of Sheba brought this type of wood up from Sheba, that uh, this was uh, then introduced into uh, the... Um, you know, into Israel, into the uh, into Canaan, and that that was like the source of this type of wood. Oh, okay, okay. And but that's but it's not that that that's not the type of wood. Uh, the balsam or balm, it's it's uh, uh, sandalwood. And it makes me wonder because you know she gives what we would consider to be 120 million dollars in one time, and that was not counting all the spices and precious stones. But here it says in verse 13, and King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given to her by the bounty of King Solomon. So there was some major gift. I mean, this is Christmas on steroids. Um, They are giving each other gifts like crazy. Did you find any history behind that or how that worked in the ancient world between these kind of nations? 
I, I guess not not so much than, than that. That is sort of a custom. It's been customary from time immemorial that uh, uh, rulers of one land would would um, you know because because it would you know if, if Solomon didn't do that if if he if she kind of outshone him then then it would make him look uh, poor or something in the eyes of the, the world. So so it's kind of like a, a situation where one ruler is is trying to. Um, you know, basically have have the protocol or the the um, uh, diplomacy between the two nations. That's true. That they have. That's true. Well, good. Well, let's move on to our last set of verses. Um, not last set, but kind of showing all of Solomon's great wealth. And I think for us as Christians, this is a good reminder too that there are times we should take a step back and maybe maybe even make a list of all the things that the Lord has given to you. Not only for Thanksgiving Day, but also for every day of the year. Because how often can we live in a life where we think we live in scarcity as opposed to the abundance of God's blessings? So I really want to look at it through those lenses that that here is an opportunity for us to see Solomon's great wealth and to give thanks. And then we also can make our own list of, of wealth that we have, which is different for everybody. And then say, Lord, help me to give thanks for this. So think of that as we hear these words, 14 through 22. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents. Besides that, which came from the explorers explorers, and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the West and from the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps, and at the back of the throne was a calf's head. And on each side of the seat were armrests, the two lions standing beside the armrest. While twelve lions stood up there, one on each side and end of a step on the six steps. The like of, of it was never made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. None were silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of, at Tarshish, of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Every, once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, um, apes, and peacocks. So there's a lot of information. Where do you want to begin? Well, um, the, the, uh, his, his income was just under a billion dollars a year. Uh, if, I mean, with, with just the gold. Uh, it comes at 666 talents, comes out to 932,477,635 uh, dollars and 62 cents. Uh, so, he had, that's of course like, uh, as the value of gold in, uh, uh, in the year, uh, 20, 18 or something, you know, May, May right. June 2018, it, it, it might have been more. <laughs> right. right. So the reading, but anyway, and then, and then, uh, the, the shields of gold, the, that of course, the house of the forest of Lebanon was his palace, obviously. And, uh, the, the shields, uh, I, 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 I've, I've kind of figured this out. It, it was, um, 
each shield would be worth $3,000, and the total value for the shields would be $600,000. Those are the large ones. The small ones would be, uh, the total value of them would be $54,000. Wow. So quite quite a lot of wealth. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's like uh, Shaquille O'Neal's 10 mansions or whatever he has. I mean, you kind of hear these stories about NBA and NFL players having 10 mansions to kind of one for each road trip they take or something i'm not sure but going down down that list about everything and how it's made what is done even to the point of what he drinks out of was made of gold um so i i kind of struggle with this at times pastor you spoke about how this chapter is about the pinnacle of the kingdom of, of Israel's kingdom. Are there other meanings to this text or any other thoughts as we continually see the great wealth that he has? Well, it, it shows uh, that, that God's love for his people, um, you know, like in, in uh, Deuteronomy 7, it, it says that it wasn't because you were so such a great people that God has singled you out. It's because God loved you. You know, all, all of our greatness at any time is is that uh, God has created us and has blessed us in, in so many wonderful ways, and and our only only reaction to it is to be humble and and to uh, and to see the greatness of our God mm-hmm. and and how he and, and he gives us everlasting life as a free gift. You know, scientists are trying to find the discover the seek uh, the the fountain of youth, or, or you know, they basically to try to destroy death. Well, Christ by His resurrection has abolished death. You know, and that's a gift that's given to us by faith. And it also gives us that meaning of uh, uh, where is our hope? And our hope is not in silver or gold, as it says in the small catechism, second article, um, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. So we can go through this whole list of what Solomon had. And you can imagine Queen of Sheba just looking at this, and like you said, she was she was speechless. She was breathless, even. Her breath was taken out of her, and you can't help but realize how much coveting would have become a reality here. Um, just like for us, we drive by someone else's house, and you notice they have a great deck. In Minnesota, this is what we do, is in the summer, we drive by their garden, and we covet. Like, oh, if I only had that kind of garden. I don't know what it's like in St. Louis, but here, it's like, it's like all of that on steroids because he has everything, and coveting comes into our hearts as well. So, Pastor, for the Christians, who are, for all of you who are listening today, and someone talks about coveting, jealousy, ninth and 10th commandments that God tells us, when we feel those things, what should we do as Christian people when we start to covet? Well, that, yeah, that's, that's a great temptation that we have. And, and um, you know, again, it's like we have to re- remember that, uh, you know, we should be humble and we don't, we deserve nothing that we have. And that, um, you know, that, that should also be any believer that, that is blessed, uh, you know, should also, uh, you know, be a good steward of what they have. You know, that's, that's kind of the idea. And, and, um, and, and we should be happy for them, you know, and thank, you know, praise God that he's so good to uh, these folks that we see. Absolutely. And, and that's helpful to, uh, 
to take whatever those feelings and first of all repent because this isn't about you it's about the lord um and like you said to be thankful for those individuals and all that the lord had given to him then given to them so let's continue on verses 23 through 25 where we hear it's not only Queen Sheba who's giving him possessions, but other nations as well. Thus King Solomon excelled, excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. So obviously Solomon is a rock star in this uh, in this world, but not only because of his riches, but they wanted to come. And I found it interesting here. They didn't come to see his possessions, but they came to hear of his wisdom. And why is that an important part of this story? Well, uh, you know, it, when Solomon first became king, when he when God appeared to him at Gibeon, uh, you know, God said, "Ask what you want," and, and Solomon said, "Give your servant an understanding heart that I might be able to uh, rule so great a people that that you have placed me over." You know, and and then God says, "Well, uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, you will be the wisest person." Uh, so this is God's fulfillment of His promise to Solomon at the beginning of His kingdom, and and uh, that uh, not only that, but God says, "I'm going to give you something more. I'm going to give you wealth, and and uh, I'm going to give you prestige, uh, like the like of which was never seen." And it's yeah, it's really interesting to that he answered that that prayer that way because he wasn't even asking for it. And we have to be careful. And we talked about this when we went through First Kings chapter three, is that we have to be careful not to see that as a prescription to pray. You know, so okay, um, God's asking me to pray. I'm going to pray for wisdom, and then hopefully He gives us a load of cash. <laughs> and 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 I've heard this description, and I want to hear what you you have to say to it. Is we always have to ask a question when we interpret scripture is this a prescription meaning you have to do this kind of like um um pick up your cross and follow me like obviously that's god's calling to us how does that all work we're not exactly sure but it is a calling or is it simply describing the reality and and for us as we look at this um is this you know is it a prescription when we pray that you pray for wisdom god gives you cash or is it very just describing then and well the lord will bless us and when we pray he will answer it according to his good grace any thoughts on that distinction we, yeah go ahead yeah yes uh, we do not believe in a prosperity gospel right. uh you know in other words uh god of course says you know they basically, God only promises to care for us. Mm. Uh, you know, we should not follow the Lord for, you know, as, you know, or even as the, the people that, uh, when Christ uh, performed his miracle to feeding the 5,000, the people were following him for the loaves. Uh, you know, as Christ even said, you, you, you're only following me because of the loaves and the fishes that I, that I, uh, multiplied for you. Uh, you know, in other words, uh, it, it, that's a, it's probably not a prescription, but a description, and and we certainly don't believe in a prosperity gospel that that we should uh, that just because we're Christians we're going to be billionaires. 
Right, right, exactly right. Yeah, and and here it's interesting too. I want to see if this is a, a, um, a well a description for us to think about is that when we are blessed by people in our lives, how can we then therefore be a blessing to them? Um, because here you have the the nations wanted to be in His presence. Um, they wanted to hear His wisdom, and they gave Him gifts. How can we as Christians bless others, I guess you'd say, with gifts? And is there other connections to this uh, gift giving that we see in these verses? Yes, I I think that's a very good question. You know, uh, to whom much has been given, much will be required. Or, you know, again, that's a kind of a, a sort of related to the law, because remember, um, when we give to the Lord, it should not be uh, with strings attached, just like he doesn't give us uh, Christ with strings attached. It should be uh, a free will offering of, of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, and, and, and because to think of, uh, you know, and especially in our world today, uh, the, sh- the church seems to be shrinking in our world today, uh, and, and, and the world outside of the church becomes more hostile against the gospel. And so if we're, if we're blessed by, by God in some way, then, you know, we, then, then it is, and there should be an urging, you know, which is in, in accordance with our Christian faith that we want to share and, and to, uh, you know, bring the gospel to others. Well, let's finish out our verses, and then we can talk more about pastoral and and churchly implications of what we hear, and also maybe a little bit of a preview of what happens in chapter 11, verses 26 through 29. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king of Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Ku, and the king's traders received from them Q at a price, from Q at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And through the king's traders, that they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So it goes down a more of a list of everything that he had, even chariots and horsemen. Thoughts on, on all these imports and horses and shekels of silver and everything else that he wraps up this chapter with. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's showing that, um, um, you know, he he was also a person who was part of the um, mer- mer- mercantile, uh, you know, culture of the world at this time. You know, they, they, in other words, that, that they would purvey to the people in the north from the people in the south of the wealth uh, that was there. You know, it, it's just for us, though, it says, uh, you know, we do make an example. We do. Uh, are important in our lives, uh, you know, like um, um, uh, the um, it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. type of idea. Mm-hmm. The world would be less if we weren't if, if we weren't here, because uh, as Christians, as loving Christians, we do make a make a difference by the grace of God. And, and so, and, and the, you know, and, and, and so, like, it's a wonderful life that we have, and, and, and certainly, uh, it would be uh, our the world would be so much poorer without any of us as if God's people. So he gathers, we look at this whole chapter and it almost is inevitable 
for us to realize what happens in chapter 11. And what, because chapter 11, I mean, the headline is right there. As you look in your Bibles, it says, Solomon turns from the Lord. Why is it so easy to turn from the Lord in wealth? So when things are going really well, Pastor, it seems more likely, according to a secular point of view, that if things are going really bad, we just want to deny the Lord. But why does it seem like it's actually worse when people are doing really well that they look away from the Lord? Why is that? Well, uh, the you know it's like the uh, wisdom says don't do, don't give me great uh, wealth so that I say who is the Lord? You know you think that mm-hmm. uh, you have everything that you want or need. Uh, you forget the fact that uh, you know uh, man does not live on. Uh, by every uh, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if if people are wealthy, they kind of think they well they're they're self sufficient. They don't need anything. They don't need God. Uh, they don't need His blessing. And 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 that's that's the that's a very bad danger. If, if we have too much, then we uh, tend to forget the Lord. If we don't have enough, then we go out and steal. Perhaps as it, as the wise man says in Scripture. You know, don't give me too little because otherwise I'll be a thief. <laughs> right, right. And that's where it's this weird tension, and I would use it as a church analogy, is that if a church is paycheck to paycheck, that every every week they're like, okay, we need the offerings and so forth, that there can be, a re- that's a real struggle, no doubt about it. It's a real struggle. At the same time, I've seen this in churches where they see a need that crops up within their own church. My own congregation, before I arrived, there was a young lady that was deaf and uh, and she needed an interpreter. And they said, okay, let's do it. Let's step this up. Well, they didn't have a ton of money, and, and but they still wanted to do it. Now, if you take the same church and you give them $200,000 to put into the bank and they have $200,000 there, they're not fighting over giving an interpreter for someone who cannot hear. But when they get $200,000 in there, all of a sudden, we get worried if we spend 50 of it because like, oh my gosh, we're almost out of money. <laughs> Those kind of things happen all the time. I have not experienced that in my own congregation. I'm just saying, I've seen that and, it, and that happens in the church. In my own life is that if I have more money in the bank, then I get worried I'm going to lose that money. But if I'm paycheck to paycheck, my kid is sick or something, I'm going to make sure I do whatever I can to care for them. Um, any, any thoughts on that? We have about three minutes left. Any thoughts on that dynamic of wealth and faith and everything else. I think that's so true that that proves true from experience. Like, like you're saying, um, you know, it's like St. Paul says in second Corinthians, you know, the, the Philippian church, uh, that even they, they, they were very poor yet, uh, their, by their love for God, they, they, they really excelled in giving and so on. And, and but then, you know, it's like if, if people are given a lot of money, sometimes they, be, they, they, they tend to uh, hoard it. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's kind of a, uh, you know, that type of uh, temptation that's involved in that. And, and, but, uh, but I think, as you said, you know, sometimes when we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, even, even in the, uh, um, Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol, you know, when, when Ebenezer Scrooge was a young man, you know, he, he was, he, he changed because, uh, wealth had changed him before uh, he was wealthy. Uh, you know, he was free and bounteous, but then uh, afterward he was, uh, like a hoarder. 
That is real. That's a great connection. Thank you for that. As we look at this, we also have the benefit of having the well towards the end of the story for Solomon. So Solomon has all this great wealth. We see how he turns from the Lord, but we also have things like you said, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, where he's at the end of his life and he says this about wealth, about life. Vanity of vanities, or meaningless, meaningless, says a preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And he speaks about possessions. He speaks about working under the sun. And all of this, all of this is worthless. All of this is meaningless without God. Now, Pastor, we have about a minute left here. We talked about the theme when we started. But is there anything you wanted to add or rehash with the theme of this chapter as we end? Well, as, as, as that is said, the things that are seen are temporal. They're temporary. They're going to pass away. But the things that are not seen are eternal, the apostle tells us. So so our hope is in Christ who is uh, in at the right hand of God. And, and, that is, and that is basically the hope that we have, not on things in the world. Pastor David Boyce-Claire, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, helping us today with 1 Kings chapter 10. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for being our guest. It's, it's my great pleasure. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, the Lord provides for our needs, and sometimes he blesses us with more than we know what to do with. And this is what happened to Solomon, and we see how this can be destructive in chapter 11, which we'll get to later. But we know that, Lord, help us to use your gifts to your glory. Help us to repent when we look too closely to those almost as our own God, and help us to serve others as our Lord Jesus has served us and given us everything by his cross. As it says, now with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering to death. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Mm-hmm.